Hey, this is Price Wright. I'm the campus pastor at New City Church, Loma Vista, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. Special thanks in advance to those of you who give generously to New City. You make this ministry possible. To partner with New City, click the link in the description. I hope this message inspires you to trust in and live like Jesus. If it does, don't forget to subscribe, share it on social media, or make sure to send it to your friends. I hope you enjoy the message. Father God, I honor you this morning for everything you've done for every single person, for Pastor Eli getting up and just doing what he always does, for for Brother Zach who got up and shared the testimony, and thank you for the nuggets I can steal from him this morning and add to my sermon. Thank you for every single person uh, that's just being faithful to the call and commitment to do what you've called us to do. For every baptism today, God, we honor you for the lives that have been changed, for the lives that have been touched. God, we thank you for our community outreach, God, for you giving us the answer to prayer, God, to let us be the servants that are sharing food and being the body and being a blessing to our community. I pray today over this word as we talk about say what? Pray for this word, Father, that you would bless it, that you would strengthen it, that you would uh, make it be spiritual nourishment to our bodies as we take in the word. We give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. God is faithful. So. This week we start our new series, Say What? And and uh, Brother Tim did a, Timothy, Brother Tim, he, I don't know which way he wants to say it, y- y'all to say it, but I know how I say it, Brother Tim. He, he did a great job of, of giving the improvisation of what I wanted. Say what? And what that is is what? Like what did you just say to me? What, what did you just speak to me? That's the, that's, the, that's the way we are phrasing this. What? Some of y'all know how it is. What, you, just, what, you just said that to me? No, you didn't. Some of y'all, that's fighting words. When you get to that point, oh, it's time to box. Oh, we, oh, some of y'all, oh, we're not friends no more. You made me say what? That means I said something to you that really moved you probably in the wrong way. So today, for the next three weeks, we're going to continue our journey through the book of Mark. And we're going to be, for the next three weeks, looking at ways, three specific ways that Jesus made the people around him say, what? What do you mean? And I think you guys will get a good understanding of that uh, as we dig in. If we had to use the terminology of today, we'd say Jesus had no filter. No filter. He was willing to say whatever needed to be said in truth and in love. He would say it because it needed to be said and he was God and he knew. And so we're going to dive into this right here. What defiles a person? That's the question that makes people say what? What defiles a person? The word I wanted to really highlight and make sure you understood today was defile. If you're writing notes, write down defile. This is going to be important in the sermon notes. Defile. Defile. Why am I bringing up that specific word? Why does Jesus bring up that specific word? So konosai is the word in Greek, and it means to make unclean, pollute, or desecrate. Make unclean, pollute, or desecrate. Man, Will is good. I didn't give him that. He did it on his own. Thank you, Will. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother, man. Defile. I was thinking about our dinner the other day with my wife, and I was sitting there after dinner was over. And, and there he is. He's crying right now. I'm about to talk about him. He was sitting on my lap. And we had just finished dinner and everybody was doing dishes and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, there was something cold on my leg and something smelled a little sour. I hope nobody's drinking their beverage this morning. All of a sudden, I realized it got more and more sour. He had pooped on my leg. 
My pants had poop all over them. If I had to have a modern day definition for defile, I'd say he defiled my leg. But, but, but we want to go back to Bible and bring up scripture and keep it right there in the context of what Jesus was talking about. One of the greatest definitions of this defile moment is what we spoke about a few weeks ago. The woman with the issue of blood. And how she went through the crowd and she was unclean. And people didn't know it. But according to the customs of the fathers and the Jews, everybody she touched became unclean. Remember, this is the people of this day. We're not talking about the modern time. This is this time and the customs of this time. So everybody she touched became unclean. So if I had to give a great example for unclean, that would be a great one. But as we dig into the scripture, you find that everything is about the spiritual. There's a great heaviness of spiritual movement. So we want to look at not only the outward uncleanliness, but the inner uncleanliness. And this is what we're going to focus on as, we, as the people said, what? As Jesus talked to them, you're going to see exactly what happened. So open your Bible. Or you can pay attention to the screen. Let's go to Mark chapter 7, verse 1 through 23. I'm going to stick pretty close to the text this morning, but I do want to explain some things to you. I think this is going to be really rich to you. What defiles a man, meaning man or woman? What defiles you? I'm reading from the Living Version. It will look a little bit different than the ESV, the English Standard Version. I like that version. I don't normally use the Living Translation, but I like the way they translated the words here. They took their time to make sure we understood what was happening in context of the times. And so when we come to this place in Mark chapter 7, Jesus has been doing amazing things. Jesus has been doing amazing things. Like how amazing? He fed 15,000 people, maybe even plus. You say, how do you get 15,000? It says 5,000 in the scriptures. Well, that's not including women and children. We can estimate to say those families probably had three people per family. So if you say, it said 5,000 in the word, you estimate 3,000, right, 15,000 people with what? Two fish and five loaves of bread. How in the world? If Jesus didn't do nothing else, that miracle right there suffices because he had what? 12 baskets left over when he got done doing that incredible miracle. But not only that, he healed the woman with the issue of blood who had spent all her money with the doctors. He took care and raised up from the dead the daughter who had died from the centurion. He, he raised her up from the dead. He relieved the demons from the man that ran to him and said, "Who I know who you are, son of God. He did all of that. So people were amazed. His fame was at the height of where it could have been. He was super popular at this time, but he didn't care about no popularity. He knew people's hearts. He knew they didn't have the right minds that their spirits had been defiled in some ways. So Jesus begins to pick up right here. The situation is brewing as Jesus now has just fed the 5,000, 15,000 or so. Jesus has just done this. He just went and took a rest. And now we get to see what happens next in the story. One day, some Jewish religious leaders arrived from Jerusalem to investigate him. They arrived to investigate him and noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the, Jewish, the, the usual Jewish rituals before eating. And I don't know if the ESV says this part, but I'm going to read it because it's really good. For the Jews, especially the Pharisees, will never eat until they have sprinkled their arms to the elbows as required by their ancient traditions. So when they come home from the market, they must always sprinkle themselves in this way before touching any food. This is but one of many examples of the laws and regulations they have clung to for centuries and still follow, such as their ceremony of cleansing for pots, pans, and dishes. So the religious leaders asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old customs? For they eat without first performing the washing ceremony. 
the washing ceremony. I took multiple notes and highlights, but there's two highlights that stood out to me as I studied this text. The two highlights are right here. The first one is they came to Jerusalem to investigate him. Why? Because he was doing great things. All the things you just heard me talk about. So now the religious leaders of the day, the ones who have all of the practice rituals and the religion down to a T, they come to check on what Jesus is doing. Why? Because he has authority and power. I talk about it all the time. Some of y'all are in here living like you have no authority and power. And I know I'm not talking to Brother Clarence Lomax back there. I know I'm not talking to Tyler. I know y'all got power. I hope. We're walking in power. People are going to want to investigate what it is is that gives you this power. Why are you so different than they are? To all of my family in the Philippines, my mother-in-law is taking a video showing to our family in the Philippines, I hope you're walking with power. Because if you are, you can rest assured, people around you are going to wonder what's going on with this person. So they begin to investigate Jesus and look deeper into his life to see, is he for real or because now they're scared that their religious traditions, their rituals, all their ceremonies are now about to be threatened by somebody who's outside of them. He's an outsider. He's not in the crowd with them. Some of y'all know how that feels at work, at school, at home. You're the outsider because you said, I'm going to commit to Jesus. So now everybody's not cool with what you're doing. Because now the way you live, the way you act, the way you respond is not the way they think you should. So you become the outsider and they have to do what? Begin to investigate you. I highlighted the next part. The next part I highlighted was their ancient traditions. It says, why don't your disciples follow our age-old customs? Hear me clear. We serve and partner with a Jewish community right here, so I want you to hear something very important. This is not to knock anybody in our day and time. We're reading scripture in the text of where it is. Jesus was writing to specific people. I want you all to get that clear right now. So these people he was writing to, they were doing some customs. I love John MacArthur, and as you study, uh, I don't always like listening to some of his rhetoric on a lot of things. Some things I totally disagree with him on, but on this specific point, I love how he gave a great analogy of how the, the teachers of that day built a fence around the law so that people wouldn't break the law. They built their own religious traditional fence around it so that you wouldn't have the chance to get there to break it. By building this fence around the law, they created their own traditions. They God hadn't given, they established it to make sure you never got close to breaking the law. What happened with those traditions? They kind of became law. And what happened? Jesus says, you guys are giving these people burdens that they cannot carry. You're giving them weights they cannot carry. And so that with this fence, it's interesting because I begin to think about the fence and I thought about how many times have we created traditions and customs that keep people from coming to Jesus. When I see Zach standing on stage with an essay hat on, anybody in here Hispanic? I mean, no offense. He's standing here, he's looking like Hispanic. I think he is Hispanic and he's got his hat on and he's, and he's got the shirt on. And some people are saying, why is he wearing that? He's on stage. I don't care. I love it. Why? Because the suit don't make you holy. No, I love a good suit. And you'll see me wear a three-piece suit. My parents taught me very well how to wear a good suit. And I like wearing a good suit because I look good in it. Thank you, God. But you know what? The suit don't make you holy and it doesn't make you righteous. It's not about how you live and it's all, it's, it's all about how you're living, not about what you wear. We set up these traditions. I remember growing up and seeing people, if they didn't have the big Star Wars hat on and the proper gown on, if they didn't have the right attire on, then we would wonder, do they really know Jesus? But 
that's not what God established. That's what we established. So when I see Zach up here comfortable, speaking out of the bottom of his heart about what God has done, I say, that guy has it. That guy knows what Jesus has said. Because it's not about all that other stuff. When Pastor Eli's up here looking clean like he just came out of a fashion magazine, I can say, that brother's got it. He ain't got to wear no suit and be tipped. That's all fine. But are you walking and doing what Jesus has called you to do. So we come to the part and say, we don't have to focus on the traditions we've built. We've got to focus on the word of God. Because at the end of the day, that's what stands. Here's how Jesus replies to that moment where they said, why don't your disciples follow our customs and our tradition, our fence that we built? Why don't they follow that? Notice, they didn't say, why don't you follow God's word? Why don't they follow our customs and traditions that the elders have established? This is what Jesus has to say to that. Jesus replied, you bunch of hypocrites. Are you living hypocritically? Is your life nothing like what Jesus says it's supposed to be? You come to church every Sunday, but you're going to stand before God. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You worker of iniquity. Or will you stand before God? And he says, well done, good and faithful servant, because you not only heard his word, but you received his word. Sister Isabella or Isabel, tell me, make sure I get it right. Isabel has begun. She got baptized a few weeks ago. She began to come and serve. She said, how can I show up early to get my hands dirty in the work? She showed up early this morning, right on time. My wife was tripping out because all week, I got to make sure I get there early. I told uh, Isabel to be there early. Some of you all have begun to do that same thing. Brother Tim has stepped up. I asked him, will you serve? They do that because their hearts have been purified. You begin to work in the body because your heart has been purified. So you say, how can I get my hands into the work of what Jesus has called us to do? How can I get off the sidelines and actually get in the game? See, no longer in New City Church, Loma Vista, which will be Raytown one day, we don't come here anymore and just say, all right, ready, set, break, and okay, uh, you going out? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. No, no, we come in and say, ready, set, break, and we go get in the game. Amen. We go get into life. We go build relationships. We've been doing that fresh fruit. Man, it is not about who's coming to church. And I know, no, no, no. Thank God that we have people here that are coming from that effort. But it's to build relationships. It's to pray for people. It's to have opportunities and connections and moments. If we're doing that, then we're doing what God has called us to do. He goes forward. He says, you bunch of hypocrites. And I imagine in their hearts, they say, what? What? You just called us a what? So this is about the third time they've done that. So here we are. So what? Hypocrite. Isaiah the prophet described you very well when he said, these people speak very prettily about the Lord, but they have no love for him at all. Here's a note you want to get because it's going to be on the notes, I promise you. Would the love you say you have stand under the scrutiny of a thorough investigation? Would the love you say you have for God stand under the scrutiny of a thorough investigation? Because if you say you love him, you'll do what? Keep his commands. And what are his commands? Two commands. Take care of them all. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, mind, and your spirit. And if you do that, then you keep all of those commands. God did not do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. It's, 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 it's those extra things that God has done away with. We don't need that. We only need what Jesus has given. Because he's the what? The way, truth, and the life. And there's no way to the Father but by him. So we trust him. So would your love that you say you have stand under the scrutiny of a thorough investigation? Because God is searching your heart. He goes on to say in 6 and 7, their worship is a farce. What? You said I'm hypocritical? You said my worship is a farce? 
I had to go, I want to dig a little farce. What, what does the Bible mean about that word? Not just the Google. What is, I, don't, I don't want to know necessarily just what Google says about farce. What does the Bible say about farce? So I dug into the, the word of farce. It began to uh, be illuminated to me that that meant that you were showing out. Entertaining. Your worship is all a show. It's all about you. It's all about, oh, it's exaggerated. The word farce is exaggerated. It's a comedy. Is your worship comedy? The way you honor God when you come here, is that totally different than the way that God has called us to worship? Are you worshiping in spirit and in truth, or is it only in action and deed when you're lifting your hands and getting down, but you go out and you don't bow your heart? If you're not bowing your heart, you're not really worshiping. God has called us to worship in spirit and in truth. You should not have a worship. That's a farce. You shouldn't be saying, what? Jesus shouldn't have to say that to you. It should be, you're seeing the works of God blow up in your life because you're honoring God the right way. I'm going to continue and go forward. This is how it goes. He says, and in, in, this is, I'm down to verse 8. It's verse 7 going into verse 8. For they claim that God commands uh, to obey the petty rules, how right Isaiah was, for you ignore God's specific orders and substitute your own traditions. You are simply rejecting God's law and trampling them under feet for the sake of tradition. For the sake of you're rejecting God's laws and trampling them under feet for the sake of tradition. Five minutes I want to complete on time. As I read that part right there, simply forsaking God's laws for the sake of tradition, forsaking God's laws, simply rejecting God's laws. Think about my dad telling me when I was younger, put oil in the car. I think, oh, 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 hey, I'm not digging in y'all, I'm not digging in y'all conversations. I remember my dad telling me, put oil in the car, man. He gave me a law, <laughs> put oil in the car. He told me what would happen. He laid it out for me. And what did I do? I kept driving and didn't put oil in the car. And after driving and driving, he said, man, this is what's going to happen. It start ticking. You need to make sure you put oil in the car. What happens? I keep driving and don't put oil in the car, and the ticking gets loud. And it gets louder and louder. And me, I have places to go and things to do and other priorities. It's not a priority doing my father's law at the time, my, my earthly dad's law. That's not important at the time. And what happens? The ticking goes until all of a sudden the engine locks up. Now, who am I yelling out and calling? My dad. Hey, oh, man, I need some help. My car done locked up on me. How many of y'all are in that same place that God is telling you, get the Holy Spirit's oil and put it in your life because you're going to tick out and you'll find yourself anxious and worried and overloaded and full of pressure and full of pain. God says, get that oil of the Spirit. What we talked about last week, the women who had the limps, the, the, the virgins that had the limps, five of them had extra oil. Five of them didn't have the extra oil. So when the groom came to bring them into the marriage supper, some of them couldn't go in because they had to run and get more oil. Don't you find yourself in a position where you run out of oil? God wants you to be full of His Spirit. Not just have His Spirit, but be full of the power of His Spirit. But you've got to make sure you obey his instruction and stop rejecting his law for your law. Because what God has given is going to give you life and life more abundantly. It goes forward. I'm going to go back to this because some of y'all say, oh, he ain't reading from that big book. Some of y'all got your own traditions. He ain't reading from that big book. He ain't reading the right thing. He don't really believe in God because it ain't the King James Version. Y'all ain't did no research. <laughs> y'all is, is the King, it ain't King James. All right. 10 says this, for instance, Moses gave you this law. So Jesus gives us a prime example of everything he just said. Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. And he said that anyone who speaks against his father and mother must die. 
But you say it is perfectly all right for a man to disregard his needy parents, telling them, sorry, I can't help you. For I have given to God what I could have given to you. And so you break the law of God in order to protect your man-made tradition. And this is only one example. There are many, many others. And Jesus called to the crowd. He called to the crowd to come and to hear. And he said this next point. But I stopped there because there was a word as I researched. It says, whatever you have gained from me is Corbin. That was the law they had put in place. Corbin. Corbin. And then what they would do is put Corbin over everything. They would call out, all of these things are Corbin. So, and then they would use it for their own financial gain. They, they take it and put it in their own pockets and tag them up. So Jesus was now calling out their financial practices of their heart. Some of us, God has told us to give. Oh, now he's talking about tithes and offerings. No, 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 this is for you. It's not for me. Because God is doing things in my life. I just had an incredible example just Friday of God doing incredible things in my life. Because of faithfulness and obedience. God has told you to be faithful with your finances. Told you to be faithful with your time. Told you to be faithful with your gifts. And you said, no. I call Corbett over everything that I got in my life, God. Uh, I got to use it for this purpose that you called me to over here. And God is telling you, why haven't you given when I told you to give? Why haven't you given time when I told you to give time? You've had your own laws and the own fence that you set up to do what you want to do. But God says, are you willing to give me everything? Are you willing to sit in that place like I'm asking you to do? Hold your hands open and let me take out and put in what I want to put. And some of us say, no, absolutely not. Because I got this to do and I got that to get done. And we never, we never go get the oil that God is calling us to get. And what happens? We run out of the oil and find ourselves in trouble. Let's finish up. Jesus called to the crowd, come here, and all of you listen. He said, and try to understand, your souls aren't harmed by what you eat, but by what you think and say. This is the final one here. And I imagine, and it also says, they said, what? That was a big what? Why? Because they had all kinds of traditions and practice around certain foods that you could eat and couldn't eat. They couldn't even hear what he just said. He says, your souls aren't harmed by what you eat. All they heard was by what you eat. They totally missed this part. Your souls aren't harmed by what you eat, by what you, but by what you think and say. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Yes. Now I want to skip down to this part because I'm, I'm five seconds. I'm, I'm about to be 30 or a minute behind. It says, it is the thought life that pollutes. I skipped about four verses. You need to go back and read them between 15 to 18. It's good stuff. But I want to get to this point. It is the thought life that pollutes. For from within, out of a man's heart, come evil thoughts of lust, theft, murder, adultery, wanting to belong to others, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, uh, envy, slander, pride, and all other folly. All these vile things come from within, and they are what pollute you and make you unfit for God. Unfit for God. Let's turn those lights on. Just about done. They make you unfit for God. It's not what you eat. Though we know through all the learning that we have nowadays, eating can hurt your physical body if you eat wrong things, right? We know that because God has given us common sense, he's given us science, he's given us people who had education to go and learn those things. But it's not what you eat that defiles your soul and your spirit. Yeah. It's what you take in and put out yeah. that says how polluted your heart is. Yeah. What are you taking in? 
What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? Who are you listening to? Who, who, what people are around you in your circle of influence? Because if God is influencing you, you're going to keep producing and giving great things from your heart. Everybody stand to your feet. Why? Because we have our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who's not only given us life and direction and instruction, he's given us his Holy Spirit. He's done all those things. He's given us new life, a new way to think, a renewed mind. And because he's done that, you don't have to live a life that's defiled and polluted. Because he's done that, you don't have to always say, what? Oh, you don't always have to have that moment. You can walk in obedience. And if you walk in obedience, when you stand before the Lord on that great day, you'll hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that will be because you are a child of God. Because what? You believe the words that it says in the scriptures and the promise that said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And the next verse I love, God did not come to send his son to condemn the world, but that through him, the world be saved. He gave us life for the wage of sin. The pay for your sin is death. But the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life. That's the gift Zach talked about. The shepherd, the good shepherd leading us by the still waters, moving us in good times and bad times, helping us to be content in all circumstances. Only God can do that. But God's faithfulness in our lives and in our hearts, we can do all things. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. But those have to be lined up with his will. Asking for that Ferrari, remember, check your heart. Is your heart polluted? If you're asking for that 15 bedroom, why? Is your heart polluted? Or is there something God's really trying to do there? If God is giving you a, a, a mission for orphanage and things like that, God may be doing it. And guess what? God's going to lay that in your lap. If you have the faith to believe, because God has put that vision there. Y'all stop walking faithless. Begin to walk by faith and not by sight. Father, we honor you today for your word. For everyone that's standing this morning. I thank you for the faithfulness of our people, for the faith, faithfulness of our servant and staffs that got up to do what they did. I just thank you for them. And I ask you to bless the rest of the service and bless everyone that comes up to finish us out. I'm praying for those that need you right now, Lord. If there's anybody that needs the Lord Jesus in your life right now, you say, you know what? I need to know Jesus. I just want you to lift your hand up. Everybody bow your eyes, close your head. <laughs> bow your head, close your eyes. Bow your head, close your eyes. Because I want to make sure nobody's embarrassed. If you lift your hand up, if you know you heard the message, you say, man, I need Jesus. My heart is defiled. It's polluted. I need, I need to get it right. This is the moment. I want to give you a moment. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I see your hands. What I want to ask you to do is after service, go out to our back desk where Savannah will be waiting. Get a connect card and fill it out so we can help you go with the next steps. If you're online, get on our app, fill out the connect card. If you, if you don't want to get a physical card, go online and fill it out so we can help you with your next steps. We don't want you to get stuck right here. Here's a moment. It's time for you to go to the next level. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you for supporting New City's ministry. If this inspired you and you want to partner with New City, you can give now by clicking the link in the description or visit newcitychurch.com slash podcast for more info. Be blessed.